0: Hello, welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers Podcast. Um, My name is Rick, and this is episode 45 of the podcast for the Sheffield Board Games Club. I'm joined today by Lizzie. Hello, Lizzie. Hiya. And I'm joined by Tom Lovell as well. Hi, Tom. Hi. Hello, hi. Uh, This is a podcast about the uh, board games that we've been playing recently, so we're going to talk about uh, a couple of games that uh, that we've been playing. You two guys have been to the UK Games Expo, so... Mm. Uh, we're going to have a chat about that, but before that, I wanted to talk about uh, a math trade that I was in. So um, I've talked about these before, but um, I, I participated in these math trades on Board Game Geek. If-, if you don't know what it is, it's kind of like a-, a game swap. You swap games with like other people, but instead of just swapping with another person, you swap with a chain of people. So in theory, it expands. You know what people want and on what they'll get, and, it- and in theory, everybody should get something that what they wanted. So I've, I've done quite a few before and uh, and swapped some good games got some good um, uh, some good games and uh, been really happy with it. So I did another one for May I think this was the UK May one and uh, swapped a couple of games. Uh, so the ones that I swapped out, I posted those out within a couple of days and then waited for mine to to turn up. Uh, and then uh, about a week and a half later, about it was over a Bank Holiday, so obviously it, it was a bit of a bit of a time delay there. Uh, I received one of the games in the post. And um, o- opened it up, and there was no instructions in there, no rules. <laughs> oh no! So is that not, not the end of the world? Because you can just yeah. download them, and, you know, off, off the off the internet and stuff. But um, yeah, it's a bit disappointing. But I I messaged a guy, and I said, you know, the the game's not getting instructions, and if, if you sort of misplaced them, if you still got them somewhere, or uh, and he messaged back and said, oh yeah, sorry about that. I'll uh, I'll send them out as a separate as a separate package. So. A couple of days later, yeah, the rules turned up on their own, so I've got a, a complete game now, so that's that's good. And, and then uh, I swapped another game as well. Uh, I waited a couple of weeks and I didn't, didn't get anything through the post or anything, didn't get any messages, so I thought, oh, that's weird, I'll I'll just message him and confirm, you know, he sent it and he's got my right address and everything, so I sent him a message on BoardGameGeek, Colo. I've not got the game yet, Has it? Uh, have you sent it, have you sent it to the right address? Another week went by and nothing, no reply, no letter or anything <laughs> so it just disappeared in the post so I thought what, what I'm going to do because you can't you know I mean it's, it's swapping with another person there's no you can't like ask for a refund or you can't ask for another copy of the game if it get if it goes missing the post or something I thought what happens if it's lost if it's gone it's gone I'm just yeah there's nothing I can do about it really so, uh, I gave him a bit more time to reply and, and, and nothing came through. So I, um, I contacted the way that you do the trades is you do it through the website, you do it through the Book Game Geek. So you, you organize a trade on there. And obviously then there's a, you know, there's like a history of what's gone off and everything. Mm-hmm. So I contacted the administrators and asked them to, you know, see if they could get in touch with him and, and ask him to send the game out. Gave it, gave it another week or so. And then it just turned up out of the blue. <laughs> so about, well, just over three weeks after uh, after the after the trade was like finalized and all the uh, results have been posted. Yeah, it did actually turn up in the end, so but I've, I've still not spoke to this guy. He's not sent me a message or anything, or not sent any some apologies or anything like that. I just Oh, the game's turned up now. Right, okay, so <laughs>
1: Right.
0: So first uh, trial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Would it be? laughs> yeah, was it on a slow train from Glasgow or something? So it's, yeah, the uh, the other ones have gone really smoothly. All the games I received have been in really good condition. They've been well looked after. Uh, they've turned up promptly. So this one's been a bit of a you know a bit of a letdown. But it, it all worked out in the end. I've got my games. You know, it's all it's all fine. So yeah, it's all great. <laughs> that
2: theme. Um, I had friends booking things into UK Games Expo, um, mm. but the queues to book things in on some I can't remember Friday or Saturday or both. Some points were two to three hours long. On the Saturday, wow. they definitely had to close things. So yeah. the um, bring and buy has been particularly problematic, more because of its popularity. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, I had a friend who managed to sell quite a lot and made a not insignificant amount of money from getting rid of his old things. But when actually he'd have been happy if they restricted the amounts, and so I think you have had some people... Bringing in mountains and mount, you know, several bags worth mm. of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Issues, people
3: bring in trolleys of games.
2: Trolleys of games, wow. um, issues yeah. with um, people stealing things as well, so some shoplifting because they would hold a really? small game under big games and so they'd get missed by people at the checkout. So oh, it has yeah. been from word, now this is all word of mouth, so I don't want
1: to,
2: I think UK Games Expo would acknowledge the length of. Hearing time and mm. it being overly popular which must mean there's a certain degree of um, success involved in that uh, in terms of its appeal but yeah i think it, it's getting to a point of an unwieldy tank with quite however many people want to be just bringing everything along
0: i can imagine it must be a headache um it, it must. I mean, be. like just dealing with the dealing with the you know the space restrictions of where do you put all these games because they're not you know they're not small things, yeah. are they?
3: they... I heard that they weren't getting everything onto the onto the shelves. So people were hmm. booking stuff in and it was just sitting there because there wasn't anywhere to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the the shelves were all just already full of games. so There's just yeah. A limit to how much you can deal with.
2: Um, the bots at the expo don't make any money. Not really mm. from it. Not significant amounts. Not for the amount of space it takes up. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one for them for the future. Yeah, yeah Th- they yeah. do
3: make it bigger every year, mm. but every year it's still not big enough. <laughs> every year, more and more people want to want to go there, and more and more games get booked in. So, they, and they they do give it more space, but it's never enough. Mm. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't bother. I, I, didn't, I didn't set foot in the Bring and Buy this year. I didn't check in any games, and I didn't go in to buy anything either. I didn't even bother queuing. It, was,
2: it just well. wasn't worth the time. Did you? Yeah, I just uh-huh. kept well away. So yeah. Um,
3: yeah, I sold two games to people that I just met up with and just mm-hmm. disorganised and uh, to sell them something, but I didn't actually use the Bring and Buy at all.
2: I got um, was a friend was telling me that he'd been putting things on to bring and buy. So I said, oh, what, what are you putting up there? And he mm. uh, mentioned one of them. It's like, well, we were going to buy that one. So I said, look, <laughs> don't bother putting it in. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll cross your palm with um, a picture of the Queen and um, yeah. sort it out that way. So, mm. yeah, wow. I, I was yeah. like,
3: actually, I bumped into a friend and um, I'd mentioned that I'd, I hadn't even bothered putting it in. I took four games that I was thinking of putting into the bring and buy and I managed to sell two of them. Over like online, and then mm. I bumped into a friend who asked me, "Oh, what were the other two And I told her what they were. she's like, "Oh, I'll have one of those." Okay, <laughs> <laughs> fine. <laughs> so that works out quite nicely. So I only went yeah, home with one yeah. of them in the end. Uh, so I'll take that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about the UK games expo in a bit more detail later on. But um, mm-hmm. uh, before that, we'll just uh, we'll just talk about a couple of games that I've been playing playing at the club. Uh, so the first one is one that I played uh, at the last Tuesday session, so this is a game called Ra. Uh, we talked about this previously, but um, this is uh, by Rainer Knizia. It it's from 1999, it's quite an old game, and the last time we played it at the club I think it was um, the original kind of printing version of it, the 1999 version, I think it was like Rio Grande or something. Uh, but it's a really good game. I really enjoyed it. And um, uh, one of the one of the club members brought it in, Matt, and he'd he'd got the new printing version of it. It's just been released in a new uh, a new big box version. It's got new artwork on there. It's uh, exactly the same game, so there's no changes in the game as far as I could see. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's got uh, nice big thick tiles, uh, a big like cloth printed bag with the uh, raw logo on it. You know the raw artwork. It's got a big thick chunky meeple for the raw piece you know the raw piece that, um that you kind of slam down when you well when you take it when you start an auction it's got like a huge wooden piece it's quite a big piece in the in the normal game but uh yeah they made it absolutely massive <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a, it's basically an auction game you um you, you're playing to get combinations of tiles uh that are drawn out from a bag so on your turn you can either draw a tile from the bag and it plays. You place it in like a display row. Uh, or the alternative is you can take the raw token and start an auction, and you're basically bidding on all the ones that the people have, have, have put into this row that's in the centre. The uh, the the tiles will score you sort of different points depending on what what type they are, and um, you know the um, for some it'll be whoever has the most. Some will just be straight points. Some are scored at the end of the game rather than the end of a round. But the the thing with Rar is as well. There's a couple of uh, disaster tiles, and they're bad. Uh, they make you discard tiles out of your display, so you have to weigh up what you think the value is of the tiles that are in the row, versus you know any bad ones that are in there, and what actual you know what you can afford to pay with the with the tiles that you've got in front of you. So it's a it's a really uh, it's a really good game. It's uh, it's very fast and streamlined. We we played it four players last night, and it took um, just over an hour probably. Um, that was with learning it as well, we've got a new player who's learning it, so it's uh, it's quite streamlined, it's good fun, it's a little bit of pushy look, pushy look as well you uh, draw tiles out of the bag and there's a point where the auction could just end and you don't get anything so you can keep drawing tiles out or you can stop and call an auction and, and there's that uh, tension of do I stop now or can I just draw one more and get a bit a few more points or do I stop now and just take what I've got or you know how far can you push it and the interaction with the other players is really good as well because you can see what uh, what tiles they've got for their bidding so you can take a chance on getting like a low value one in, in, knowing that they're not going to waste their 10 or their 12 on it and you've got a 2 or a 3 which you might be able to get it with and things like that so yeah there's a lot of strategy in there um, a lot of game it's really interactive really good fun the production is absolutely fantastic on the new on the new version it's uh, it's beautiful the tiles on it, the really thick cardboard, the artwork, the big wooden pieces, the the bidding tiles that you get, and nice, they like big chunky wooden tiles. Uh, and the, we only played with the retail version. Apparently, there's um, there's a Kickstarter version as well, which has got like wooden tiles in the bag, which is you know even more even more extravagant. But the, even the retail version is uh, uh, yeah. is yeah really well produced. But
3: I, I remember looking at this on Kickstarter and thinking that's just not mm. that. it, it already looks amazing. You don't really need. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like card, like wooden tiles, just seemed excessive. So I was yeah. thinking, I'll just, I'll just wait for retail. It, yeah, and It looks yeah. really nice.
0: It is, yeah, it's great. Yeah, so I played that, and then uh, the the other game that I played was a was a quick party game called Starlink. Uh, so this cost me five pounds. So it's a it's a bit of a punt on this one. I know. Uh, <laughs> I always like a bargain. You know, I am from Sheffield, after all. I'm a Yorkshireman, so oh, <laughs> right. need, need, need a bargain every now and then. So. I don't know anything about it I picked it up it uh, looks a bit like a mass you know kind of one of these mass market games but I saw the um, uh, the logo on the front of it Blue Orange it's a Blue Orange game uh, and I've got a couple of their games already and I usually quite enjoyed them so I picked this up so what Starlink is it's a it's a big round board so you get a big round uh, board that's like uh, shiny and it's a kind of dark blue and black and it's got stars on it, it looks like a starry night sky and um, basically it's a bit like Pictionary. You're drawing, you get like a word from a card and you have to draw it on this board and then people have to guess what it is. There's a couple of rules to the drawing. You can't draw any curved lines. You can only draw from one star to another in a straight line. So that kind of restricts, you know, how you can draw the... You can't just draw anything you want, wherever you want. You have to stick to drawing these straight lines in between the stars and it, it it's like a dry erase board and the, the markers that you get are, are white dry erase markers Which are really cool. So when you draw in it, it looks like constellations that you're drawing in the night sky. Um, That's the the theme of it, basically. But you you get a card, you get a card, it might say like windmill or mustache or mountain or fan or something like that. Uh, And you're trying to draw this on the board. There's a sand timer, so you get like 30 seconds. People are guessing what it is. Uh, There's a quite nice, um, a quite nice mechanic with the guessing. When you guess, you take the sand timer and put it in front of you, and then you have to stay silent, even if you think no way it is. You can't make another guess until another person's had a guess and they've taken the sand timer away from you, so it stops you saying you know just blurting out loads of guesses yeah. one after another. Yeah, uh, to try and get it. Yeah, you can't. You can only make one guess until somebody else has made another guess. So that's that's really cool. So it's yeah, it looks nice. It was a uh, really really cheap. Um, uh, we played it, but I think I think it probably does have a shelf life. It's not one that you're going to play. You know you can't play. You know some of the uh, some of the sort of newer games like Codenames and Just One and things like that. You can play them over and over again. They're always fun. I think this one might have a bit of shelf life. It's a bit of a gimmick, but um, yeah, we we played a three player and we enjoyed it. We it took us like half an hour, I think, twenty minutes to play. Uh, a couple of guesses each, and then you just count up your points at the end and see who's got the most guesses correct the most points. So uh, yeah, so it's a it's a nice little game uh i'm, I'm glad i didn't pay any more than a fiver for it though but because uh, <laughs> i think it is quite limited in what in what it does it is purely just like a, a quick guessing game you know just against the clock but it's it's it'd it's 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 be an ideal one you know to sit around at christmas or in the new year you know to play with fa- family and friends and things like that people who don't usually play games it's like an ideal sort of game you know as, as soon as you see it being yeah. played it's, it's obvious yeah, you know how it works and what you're doing yeah yeah, yeah. And the, and the drawing is just yeah. limited enough to be interesting. It's the, the stars are that far apart that you can't, you know, you can't always make out even the simple, like I think Matt was drawing a mountain last night and we were looking at it and thinking, is it a cave? Is it a, is it a triangle? Is it a table run? Or <laughs> I don't know. So we...
3: <laughs> a Toblerone <and> constellation.
0: <laughs> so that, that's the other game that we played. It was a, a game called Starlink. So it was good fun for a couple of players, but I don't think you'd want to play it more than, more than that, to be honest.
2: But for a fiver, you're not yeah. gonna care if you get, kind you know, just yeah. like yeah, yeah. Yeah. A few, I, so yeah.
3: I do like these games of um like drawing stars, it's a nice idea. I actually mm. I, I played quite a similar game at the at the expo called Look at the Stars, uh, from mm. Bombix, which is a um well it's a flip and write of a similar sort of idea. So you flip over cards and they have a little um some lines which you draw on. You've got a board which has stars on it laid out and you use the lines to to, to draw it to kind of to link up the stars to make constellations. Yeah. But in that case, you're trying to get points by mm. drawing certain patterns. So you're trying to put the different shapes together to try and uh, get various constellations of different sizes oh, yeah. or specific shapes and that sort of thing to get points. But it was the same sort of thing. You had a board and you're, you're drawing on it in, in white marker. Mm. So uh, uh, but yes, I think it all sounds more yeah. fun, to be honest. Just looking right. <laughs> It seemed like that that was it. And once we played it, it's like, right, okay, that that was fun, but it's going to be basically the same if we play it again,
1: because
3: hmm. you're always going to be trying to make a constellation. You get points for having a constellation of eight stars and seven stars and six stars. and it's only hmm. so many times you can do that. <laughs>
2: For me, I have the artistic talent of a lettuce. And (laughs) I like the fact that you're restricted by the dot to dot Mm. between the stars. So it's not the fact that I can't draw for Toffee. It's the fact that the stars aren't quite in the right place and obviously it is a work of art if the stars were elsewhere. But you know I think I think sometimes it's even funnier if
0: you can't draw. It's just it just makes it more entertaining (laughs) if you've got somebody who's really bad at drawing.
2: (laughs) Yes, and so that is Frogos Major. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, i think you
0: guys have been playing a lot of games at the expo haven't you so shall we move on to the uh uh move oh, on to no that and we'll start talking about that so I, I have got some little uh some little factoids uh this is just on the on the website so it's uh it's in its 16th year visitors over the three days was forty five thousand, just over forty five thousand. so that's a heck, heck of a lot of people um, so that equates to twenty five thousand seven hundred unique visitors. Right. So that's even that is uh, quite a lot. Four hundred and sixty plus exhibitors. Did Did you go for the full three days, or did you just go for
2: a Two couple days. of days out of that? Yeah. Yeah. Friday right Saturday for me. All
0: oh, right. Okay. Right, yeah. Okay. yeah
1: was was it on that.
0: the Thursday as well? Then or was it on the Sunday?
3: Nothing really happens on the Thursday, but you can turn up and get your tickets and
2: right. Uh, open game. If you've actually. got, yeah, the, um, there's a press preview event. So mm. I've been going for about eight years, I think. Mm. Um, my son was still in nappies, but well, the first time I went, mm. um, and he's very much not in nappies now. <laughs> um, and a couple of years after that, I was on the tour gaming stand and they did the press preview in the first two hours on the Friday Hmm. at that point. And that was the first year they were in the actual NEC. So the first time I went, it was all in the Hilton. Hmm. And then I was on a stand um, at the NEC. And on the Friday, it was still notably quieter back then. Um, I think that must have been something like 2016, 2017. Someone could correct me, but basically from 9 till 11 was press preview, or 8 till 10, something. could have been 8 till 10. And Mm. then they just opened it up to everybody else. So you just set up at your stand, and the press would come and walk around now. And for the last God knows how many years, um, the press preview is in a separate hall on the Thursday night for two hours from about... 6 o'clock till 8 o'clock or 7 till 9
1: hmm.
2: um, and you just take a couple of things that you wanted to show and you sit on a table and the press come around there rather than having to trudge around two halls. The people wanting to display stuff you miss some of their big displays but it gets to be focused and critically hmm. it's just to say come and look around these goodies properly at my stall yeah. So that's one of the main things that happens on Thursday night
0: so it seems it seems to be getting bigger and bigger every year. Did you find that there was enough room? Was there enough room to see what you wanted to see to move around? You didn't get... Was there, or was it a it bit of a crush?
2: It was definitely the biggest I've felt. Um, and the Friday and the Saturday didn't seem to be much different in numbers. Not, right. back at, not from previously where the Friday is bigger than the Sunday, but not necessarily... But not as big as the Saturday, mm. this year I would have said they weren't vastly different from just the feel of it, mm. on my mind.
3: Sunday was definitely quieter. Mm. There was a lot more space uh, to move yeah. around and stuff on the Sunday, for sure. Mm. I, I wasn't actually there for much on Saturday. We spent most of Saturday just playing games in the Hilton, because it was so busy. But Friday I got quite quite a bit played. I guess it was busier in the afternoon on Friday.
2: We got, we intended to get there a little bit earlier um, and just didn't leave home quite on time. So we think we got to um, the NEC at about quarter past, half past nine and then went to get our tickets. Now, how yeah, um, was the key well, for
3: tickets at that point?
2: I think all told from parking to getting into the show. Was about an hour so my wife has been told by the podiatrist not to walk and so she got the shuttle bus across and went to the mobility space so she was in a mobility scooter all weekend um, for the first time and hopefully the only time just as her tendons and things sort out so whilst she was queuing whilst she was sorting that out I went and got in the queue and basically it snaked back and forth for a fair bit in Hall 3, came out of Hall 3, and literally all along the plaza. So I said, I started in the queue next to my wife at the mobility section bit, and it just took a while to get into Hall 3 and then quite a way into there. Hmm. So it was quite sizable. But, as I said, all told, from getting parked at about half past nine-ish, we were into... The hall properly by about half past ten, I think, might be ten fifty minutes out. So it wasn't too bad, mm. all things considered. Mm. And considering the numbers you said as well, there was lots of repeat visitors. So I can imagine that it was not yeah. as many new unique people on the Saturday wanting to get tickets, whereas mm. the Friday you probably had the two dayers and the yeah. week and the that three dayers I think that hearing. was
3: probably the, the worst. Yeah, did it, did it go.
2: yeah, I know. Should have done it smarter. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've had exhibitor passes before, so I've not had to worry about it. It was a novel experience.
3: See, well, that's the benefit of coming on Thursday. Is that, you know, yeah. just wandered up and got our tickets. It does help, but yeah, it's a whole extra hotel night. She's painful.
2: Whole extra hotel night. <laughs> yeah. I've always enjoyed so... being able to go and open game and stuff. Um, we, we had um, a bit of a hotel issue anyway, so um, I'm glad I didn't give myself an extra night of hotel issues potentially. So well, that's a different unrelated to UK Games Expo story. It, it felt like UK Games Expo has been for the last few years that you've got a lot of the big names right at the front, and as you move away from there, you've got a lot more of the independents and the small people and the edges mm. and sort of a little bit of variety in between, um, they kept a lot of the family open gaming stuff together, mm-hmm. and that made it a lot easier to get to. Yeah, I think that's um, a good idea.
1: Yeah.
2: And so, and, and you did seem to have some really good areas of. No, this is just a few sections of just demoing and just for gaming. My one criticism probably would be that there wasn't enough open gaming. In hall three, because of the bring and buy and because of the queuing, that felt like it really could do with being a bit bigger. You've always got the Hilton, but you've then got to go to the Hilton, and I would have said ideally that yeah. probably would have been a bit bigger.
3: And people don't necessarily know that that's there. And
2: no, the, the I mean,
3: I, gaming in the Hilton gets gets really full as well in the evenings.
2: There's
3: yeah, not a huge amount of space. It, it, it hasn't been too bad. I, I remember. The first few times we went to the expo, I played a couple of games just in the corridor on the floor. <laughs> there was nowhere <laughs> to go. They wouldn't let you play in the bar; they'd kick you out. So we just found anywhere.
2: <laughs> well, my hotel issues on the Friday night meant I didn't go back to the open gaming on the Friday. But when I did on the Saturday, discovered some people gaming in corridors. I've normally just sat and chatted with people in the bar and mm. been a right news and 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 kind of done the bar bit and <laughs> catching up with people. And anesthetizing myself with um, Amicida or eight um, <laughs> on a Saturday night after standing up all day. But um, mm. this year on the Saturday, I came back and I went and ended up playing a game of Blood on the Clock Tower, um, which was being run by uh, Herefordshire Board Gamers. So that, that was my Saturday evening, which was quite pleasant. Mm-hmm. It looked like there's a lot more tournament options, different types of games that you could play competitively across the weekend. Oh, okay. I didn't know they did that kind of stuff, yeah. um, I had a friend was doing, I think, uh, one of the vampire uh, living card games as a tournament. But you had Azul, you had Catan, you had a bunch of other things that you could join in. And it was either on the Friday or the Saturday Hmm. or the Sunday. Some of them were a whole day. Some of them were about five to six hours Hmm. in the central part of the day to give you time to do the other bits.
3: Yeah, there's quite quite a lot of organized games. I know you could play... um, like Arkham Horror, like the Blob, and things like that going as, on as well. Not not just tournaments, and obviously a lot of RPGs and things like that that you can sign up for. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's there's a lot of options like that and events and things that you can you can go to at the at the expo. They do do a lot of that. I didn't notice as much of the um, seminars and things, or maybe I just didn't notice that that was happening.
2: I I know it was happening. But um, I think Bez was doing something, as she always does, and I spoke to Adam from uh, Herefordshire Board Games on Saturday night, and he was doing one on the Sunday. So clearly it was happening. It must have
3: been somewhere in Hilton, I guess.
2: Here's the thing. Um, in the room that they normally held sen- seminars, uh, the Toot Suite, mm. they were doing the Kill Team laser tag, and my son went and did that on the Friday. Absolutely loved it. It was Run by Warhammer or Games Workshop. I forget their correct branding now. And yeah. And so I'm just going to talk about that briefly. So you had a guy yeah. come out in an Imperial Guard priest's uniform <laughs> and gave, and, and really gave you the feeling of the Warhammer 40,000 universe and talking about the gene dealers and do this for the Emperor and so on and so forth <laughs> and gave that really good atmospheric bit before bundling everybody in, giving you um, a laser gun like normal laser tag, but looking like an Imperial Guard Lasgun. Oh, cool. They they really (laughs) did that well. You know, I I have some issues with um, the Games Workshop, rule books of late. Hmm. The physical look of their products is still tip-top. They still know how to give that ethos for their IP, so they know their IP inside and out. Um, And and it was really nice, And and he loved it. Now, admittedly, what kind of ten-year-old would not enjoy running around for half an hour blasting <laughs> people with a lights gun? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the um, the theatrics at the start was well well done, well worth it, I think.
0: Yeah, I saw some photos, and I saw some um, some of the space marines and stuff. I think they got some like giant uh, giant models there, like big um, life size.
3: Oh, they have, they had people dressed up.
2: Yeah, yes, there's lots of cosplay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Was there's a, a lot um,
3: of that going on. Yeah, people will just sort of wander around. Obviously, you have got the reenactors outside who come in with a big fanfare, oh, uh, nice. so often and just yeah. walk, walk about <laughs> 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 with the shields and stuff.
2: As well, at the back of Hall One with Doctor Who
0: stuff. Oh yeah, that's all the Daleks. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. They're always rolling around. Yeah, they're always fun.
2: <laughs> I'm going to have to mention this as well. One of the games that seemed to have a big queue for it always, was the new Disney Lorcana CCG. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't know if you've seen the news. Uh, that's, going, that's a little bit of interest as well. So I'm just going to briefly mention this, that mm-hmm. Upper Deck, who do the um, legendary games, which is quite ironic, um, because it's either Legendary Marvel or Legendary Firefly or Alien or Buffy, which are all owned by Disney now, mm-hmm. um, are suing... <laughs> Ravensburger, who are doing Disney's Lorcana, because apparently one of their members of staff went to work for Ravensburger and has stolen the cons- the, the games mechanics. He oh, took so- the game
0: with him, oh my god.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lawsuit for it, and Disney is still going, now it's rubbish, and it's baseless, and i mm. um, still going to release this in the middle of August. And that, But that was a big cue. Every time mm. I went past the Ravensburger, there seems to be a queue for this Disney Locana. And I yeah. just find it funny that one company with a Disney IP is going to sue another company with a Disney IP. <laughs> and she's just probably going to be in the house of Mouse going, I just want to give you both a big flap. But <laughs> they're going to make a buttload of money, I suspect, by mm-hmm. the amount of people queuing for it.
3: Yeah, they, they had a huge... A huge stand it was really obvious in the as soon as you went into the family area you, you could see it for miles like it was they, they were obviously making a big thing out of it they were expecting it to be huge and i expect yeah. it will be mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah it's a big ip awesome, isn't perhaps. it a lot of people like that uh that yeah. theme of it but i think
3: yeah i think a lot of people will buy it yeah. how many people will play it i don't know <laughs> 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 i guess we don't really care as long yeah. as people buy it
2: <laughs> yeah The in terms of miniatures, I think there's a lot of push for the new um, Star Wars Shatterpoint Mm. uh, skirmish game. That seems to be a lot of there, and it it, you know, miniatures-wise, it looks quite nice. Um, I didn't play that at all.
3: It's basically Marvel Crisis Protocol, right? But Star Wars, is that right? Right. So Uh, I think it's the um, same mechanics, basically.
2: I'll I'll have a quick look. So. I wouldn't be surprised, actually. I've not. I, I've just had to go. No more mini, or no new miniature games. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm going to get myself into trouble. I, I bought. I bought a new. Um, uh, I went to Battle and got a carry case for my BattleTech minis. So I'm just sticking to one system at the moment. <laughs> otherwise, I'm going to be um, disowned.
0: <laughs> yeah, but those models though—they'll be how cool would they look sitting on each shelf, all painted up and looking nice?
2: All painted up? Yeah, it's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it is by Atomic Mass. You're right, Lizzie. Right. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. but no, I think, I,
3: I think <sighs> that's right. That it's it's basically the same. They've just re- reskinned it for Star Wars, which kind of sense. makes sense. Might as well. Yeah. Just printing money, really, at that point.
0: I know a lot of people like the Imperial Assault stuff just because of the really nice models and you know getting them all painted and things like that. So if it's a similar sort of, uh, similar sort of thing to that, then people will just... Yeah.
3: Uh, How many Stormtroopers do you want to paint, though, really? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not Stormtroopers. I think they're Clone Troopers. I think that's the point. It's sex. Oh, is it? It's oh, right. It's yeah. Clone Wars era. Yeah. Yes, oh, and I think that's right, one of the differences. It's Clone Wars. Um, oh, well, or, or at least to, to start paint. off with it, it might be all of them, but there's definitely a lot of the push early doors that it's Clone Wars era stuff. And and they've gone for the Clone Wars animated style. So um Oh yeah. A bit, right. bit like cartoon and a bit of CGI. Yeah, that that
3: does make sense with yeah, yeah with yeah. the Marvel Crisis, that that's more of a fit really for that, that kind of style. Yeah, hmm. to be to, and, I guess that that puts sh- sets it apart from Legion then as well, that both can exist.
2: Exactly. Exactly, and and I think you know set wise, it looks like they've hit the nail on the head. It's like here you go, you've got a hero and three or four dudes, not an awful lot. So even slow pokes like me should be able to pick up a box and get it painted within at least six months. (laughs) But yeah,
0: or or, um, or you can just splash out on the deluxe pre-painted
2: edition and pay twice as much. Wife, don't listen to the podcast, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that there's, uh, there's like new CCGs coming out, LoCana, and like new skirmish games coming out. I mean, there's like loads already, isn't there? Like, say, with BattleTech and all this kind of stuff. You know, there's uh, there seems to be a, a market now for that kind of that kind of uh, you know reinterpretations of the same game, perhaps,
2: but with different themes and different people wanting to collect it. Yeah, well, with Battletech, it's not new. They've just basically sorted it out, and so they've polished it, and Mm. they've just made a product that's been going since the 80s really attractive nowadays. Mm. Um, And I think that's the difference. But there is so many different other places. uh, Moonstone, I think, got um, an award for best miniatures range. Um, and then you've got the blurring of the lines. So I think Oathsworn was the um, won the prize for the best American style board game, which is basically an hour for one style of of the story bit, and then an hour with miniatures on a board, kind of fighting. So a bit like a skirmish war game, but not because it's this American style mm. thing. But with you know the amount of minis that you get in there, it's like well actually. There's a decent amount of stuff. Hmm. It is very much blurring the lines, I think. Um, for both Shatterpoint, Shatterpoint, and Oathsworn, there was quite a, um, yes, there was people playing games with both of them. Hmm. At most there's very few things there that was here. Have a look at this, but no, you can't play hmm. it. Most people had stuff that you could play. Oh, that's Some, good, yeah. There were some stalls which were, I think, for example, Moonstone. They talked you through it and didn't mm-hmm. do a demo. Um, in the past, they've had demo space. They had a smaller stand this year, and were just selling the minis. But mm. um, a lot of places you could play the games. And we spent yeah. good chunks of time on the Friday and the Saturday specifically targeting stands to go and play things.
3: Mm. Yeah. Say I spent most of my time this, this year just, just demoing games. Or open gaming, one of the two, but it did manage to get in quite a few demos. A lot of the time you won't play a full game. They'll they'll, they'll give you kind of a shortened version or basically just right, push yeah. you sort of halfway through the game and you finish it off or something like yeah. that. So that you're not sitting there for hours and hours because um, they want other people to have the chance. But you get enough time to have a, a decent go at mm-hmm. it and understand mm-hmm. whether it's something you, you, you like or not. I know. Give it a go. So that works quite well, anyway. Because generally, for me, I want to go and try a bunch of things. Anyway, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't want yeah. to be sitting there for ages either. Yeah. Uh, so works pretty well.
2: Yeah, we played Sands of Adventure. That's the uh, Indiana Jones game set at in um, uh, Roads of the Lost Ark, and oh, I think cool. we did play that. For now, aesthetically, it's lovely. Mm-hmm. You play one of four characters. Spot the odd one out. So you've got Indiana Jones, you've got Marion, you've um, you've got um, Salah, and you've um, got the professor from the university. Uh, Devon Malker? No, Brody. Yes, Marcus Brody. Thank you. I knew that there was yes, Marcus Brody. Which one of those? doesn't really show up much in, um, in Jenna Jones' Roads of the Lost Ark. Marcus Brody, and yet you're, you're one of the characters there trying to defeat all the baddies. It's like, no, he's sat in the university for most of the film. He yeah. crops up for about three minutes at the start, <laughs> sets Cindy off on an adventure, and that's it. But they kind of ran out of um, allies, yeah. so, and yeah. they needed it to be 4 players, so he rocks up. Um, <laughs> we enjoyed the game. But we would, but we didn't want to buy it because you've got a nice MacGuffin, which is a timer. And as you do things, you go. Basically, there are five tiles, which are different locations. And on a tile, normally you're by getting a card for your hand. But the penalty is you roll one or two dice. And when you roll a dice, it will either be move the baddie onto the next tile, or add a small gem to the top of the timer, or add a large gem to the top of the timer. And when there's too much mass weight at the top of the timer, it will then swing round and the timer upends and you've then got a time limit in which to defeat the baddie because each round, of which there are three, you have got to beat up the baddie. Mm. And it starts off with one of the general, then you've got Tot, uh, Major Tot as the second one, and um, then the Belgian archaeologist with more health, but he's an archaeologist. I don't know why he's the last one. <laughs> Belloc is the last, but he is um, <laughs> is end of round three. And what you, in order to beat them, you have to play from your hand a card with a character with a punch on them. Each card has one has two sim- two things. It's either got a color and a per- character, or a character and a symbol. Or a symbol and a colour. And you can only match... You've got to play on top of the card that's on top something that matches the previous one. So you can play Marion on top of Marion. Fine. You can play um, a hat on top of Indiana Jones because Indiana Jones tends to have that hat symbol. But if you've got a blue Indiana Jones without the hat symbol, you can play a blue card or another Indiana Jones. And So if you've got a blue Um, Salah, you can put the blue Salah on top of Indiana Jones and the characters all do a punch so you're trying to work out during your turn where you're placing your character, can't go on a space previously and you can't go onto the space which has got the baddo Mm. Um, and then when the timer goes you're not moving around the deck uh, around, around the locations you're literally playing cards from your hand trying to get all your characters out to do a punch on the baddie to get all their health down within this limited period of time and then when you stop you go done take a card um and it moves around to the next person so you've got to talk to the other players because you're working cooperatively Mm. and it's nice it's simple to learn but we played it once and went, i think there's probably at most another two games out of them here Mm -hmm. it's um it's lovely and it would work as a club game where people come along and go "Oh, i've not played this before and then you'd get the enjoyment out of it, yeah, and yeah. then another four people at another point. But to own at home, we just went, just not going to play it. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I love I love the theme of that one, and I'd love to like play an Indiana Jones kind of adventuring game. But
3: yeah, if there was a good one, that'd be great.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the yeah. the fact that it's an IP one kind of puts me off a little bit. It's one of those, you know, you can get some clunkers, can't you? So there's obviously some good yeah. some good IP games out there now, but.
2: Yeah, it always makes me a bit wary of that. <laughs> it, to, to my mind, it was the perfect game to go to UK Games Expo to play. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You've played it, you've enjoyed it, yeah. and you haven't had to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not <laughs> feeling bad. Yeah. Um, so, um, and, and it's a shame because there is a good game there. It's just not a replayable one. Mm. Mm. Not hugely anyway. Mm-hmm. And more than a fiver like Starlink was. <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: I think the game for me at the Expo that would fit into that category, you have a game that I wanted to play but not buy, was uh, Snapship Tactics. Did you see that? Which is sort
2: of... Uh, um, can you say that three times and quickly? It like <laughs> <laughs> I might start yeah, saying something that. completely yeah, <laughs> really different.
3: But um, yeah, it's kind of like X-Wing, uh, but with Lego. Mm-hmm. To Ooh. sort of sum it up. So on it's a two player oh. game. Huh? <laughs> I know, right? it sounds amazing. Yeah, it sounds great. So yeah, it's a two basically a two player skirmish game. I think you can play it in teams. Um on hmm. each side you've got you've got your ship and you've got a bunch of upgrades and different modules that you can choose to what kind of weapons you want, uh engines, that sort of thing. But each upgrade comes with uh, a particular kind of thing that you put onto your ship. So you you literally build it out of these sort of chunky plastic pieces of what mm. wings you want and what guns you want and it also, it's all modular so you can build it into weird wacky shapes or into <laughs> how, however you see fit. Um, so there's a whole toy thing. You can actually buy the ships already. You, you, they've, they've been around for years. I think mostly in America. I don't know how easy they are to get over here. Mm. Um, but they look really cool and just fun to play with on their own and they basically built a game around that. Mm. uh this sort of skirmish game. So yeah, we had a quick go at that, me and my husband. And it lasted about 15 minutes. Because uh, you basically just fly at one another and roll some dice to shoot at <laughs> them until they die. Uh, and that was it. <laughs> <Ended> the game. <laughs> so it was really fun for 15 minutes. But it's a lot of money to spend on a game. Which, um, mm. how often are you going to do that really? But it's a really cool concept. I thought it was, mm. it, it looks awesome. Um, I think kids would love it.
0: So, can you can you like customize your own ships then and put on? Yeah, different yeah, things depending different,
3: on. There's, there's a stack of different modules uh, that you cool. can use, so you can kind yeah. of build different uh, kinds of ships. You can really build into manoeuvrability if you want to, or really short range attacks. Right. I had a I had lots of missiles, so I was good at long range. Mm. Uh, whereas Gary had a um, short range kind of ramming ship, so I basically mm. killed him before he <laughs> got to me. Yeah, uh, which was sad. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can build you can build whatever you want, so it is yeah. customizable like that. So that that seems yeah. cool. Yeah. But I just wish that there was a mm. little bit more. I don't know, a little bit more meat to it. It didn't feel mm. like it's a game that's going to turn up in tournaments anytime soon.
2: Mm. Um, yeah, it. I, I've just looked at it and I'm massively upset. I missed this.
3: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you can still back it. I think the pre-orders are still open. I think it's coming out to retail in July, like quite quite soon.
1: But, uh, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, I know, but um, it, it's a hundred dollars, and whilst it's nice, yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boom. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's the thing. I'll have to yeah. agree
2: with you. It's something That's that would what, have been a great I... Expo one. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so I I didn't back the Kickstarter at the time. I was very tempted because it looked really cool, but it was great to actually be able to just play it and go, yeah, great, I've done that now. Uh, I kind of, I scratched that itch, and Mm -hmm. um, now I can leave it. (laughs) I can leave it, be. Walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, the the expo is great for that, for just giving something a go.
0: Yeah, give it a try, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And there were a few um, games like that this year, which I'd seen on Kickstarter in like the, the previous year or two, and not backed, hmm. um, and then I could actually try it out uh, in person at the expo. The other one that there was a lot of buzz about was Beast. Did you get to play that? Uh, oh, I'll,
2: I'll I ahead. didn't play Beast, um, on, but someone from the, um, the Gloucestersh board games group did buy it and played right. it last night. But unfortunately, I was. Um, on 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 dad's duty, so was unable to. No, it's not, and it's not dad's duty. That's a wrong phrase. But I I was unable to go out last night. Um, I had to be a responsible adult. Um, <laughs> and so I haven't played it yet. But it was picked up, so I would like to try that. And and so I heard a decent amount of buzz from that one, but didn't yeah. get to play it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What, what's it lot, about,
2: Lizzie? Talking
3: about it. Um, it's a um it's a hidden movement game. Um, hmm. So one person is playing the beast. Um, there, there are a bunch of different beasts that you can play. You can plays like a warthog thing or a kind of, some sort of, uh, well, I don't want to say octopus, kraken sort of thing um, hmm. that you can play as that have different abilities. And then everybody else plays hunters who are, who are trying to hunt them down. So the beast is trying to um, move around this map as kind of a, a a map with lots of nodes on it in various towns and there are sheep and bears uh, everywhere and then there are people in the towns and the beast at first is just trying to eat the sheep and they get extra abilities for that. They basically power up. They get a currency which they can spend to get more mm. powers and then they're actually trying to kill some of the people uh, that are in the towns and if they get three of them, I think it is, then, then they win. Mm. Um, whereas the hunters are trying to do enough damage to the beast. Or just wait out the game long enough over a certain number of rounds. And then they they win if the beast hasn't managed to achieve their objective by then. Mm -hmm. And the first thing is that it looks amazing. The board is beautiful. All the Mm. artwork is gorgeous. So when I saw this on Kickstarter, I was very tempted by it. Because it just looked so nice. But I don't tend to love hidden movement games. Mm. And I think Mind Management was on Kickstarter at roughly similar time, which also looked great. So I didn't really know what, what to go for. And I, I played Mind Management at Aircon, so it was nice to get Beast played now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wanted to try both of them and then sort of see which, which one I preferred, basically. Mm. Mm. But um, I guess the, the, the sort of different thing about Beast in the way that it works is that it's a, it's a card drafting game. So the hunters each have their own deck. Depending on which character you choose, you have your own board with some abilities and then you have a few cards which are your sort of personal cards which you get to use every round uh, and then there are a bunch of extra cards which you get to draft between the adventurers but also the beasts because on the bottom of the card there's an ability that the beast gets to use so you might look at a card and be like oh well i don't i don't really need any movement this round i think i'm in roughly the right place hmm. but it might have a really good ability on the bottom for the beast, so you don't want mm. to pass it to them. So you kind of have to be aware of what cards you need, what the other uh, hunters that you're working with, what cards they're going to want if you pass it to them, uh, what we don't want to pass to the beast. So that's, mm. that's that's really interesting. I don't I don't know of any other hidden movement game that has that kind of mechanic. In yeah, it. yeah. So that's a bit different. Um, but the issue with it that I found was that it's well, it's a what's it say, a game game? two to four. Player game um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really work at two because then one person uh, has to dual hand two of the hunters right, and then play you two winters, of yeah and you're drafting yeah. between yourself, which seems weird mm. um, and three seems like it's fine, but when I played it it was four player, uh, which is on the other side of the board, which is a much bigger map than the two or three player game, and it just took ages to move anywhere. Like a hmm. couple of times, we found just the beast has to reveal themselves when they whenever they eat a sheep, so you know where they are. Quite a lot of the hmm. time, because they have to reveal themselves to do that, um, and then they'll disappear and and move away, and you have to hunt them down again. Hmm. But sometimes they they might be miles away, and it takes ages to wander over there, uh, <laughs> trying to get to them. And then by the time you're halfway there, you have to start wandering back because they've gone the other way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in a four-player game, I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah. something that's like tweaking I think I think 3 is probably the sweet spot hmm. but it's kind of it's kind of rough to have a game that only really plays at 3
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree I, I struggle with now I, I like you know we're normally a 3 at home so I like games that play 3 mm. but yeah. I do find a case of really you should be able to take 3, 4 or 5 people mm. and not feel unbalanced now there's a few things that you go well. Actually, we've got a limited amount of time, so therefore, it's that little bit quicker. But yeah, this does, does seem to kind of go. Mm, three seems a little light mm. to be the best point.
3: Mm. Yeah, for for that sort of game, I'm really surprised it doesn't. I'm surprised for a start that it doesn't have the option of playing at five. Um, mm. two isn't really an option, so it's basically only a three or four player game. Mm. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. So It'll be interesting that they've got a a um. Uh, expansion coming up on Kickstarter soon. So I'm hoping that that will fix some of the issues with that. Yeah, that maybe yeah. if they introduce a five-player option and they tweak the rules somehow so that it, it, it works a little better at four and five, because presumably five would be on the same, the larger map is the issue. It's just so mm-hmm. spread out, uh, there mm-hmm. needs to be something extra that you can move a larger distance when you need to. Um, it it just, It's definitely fixable. And who well, is I think this is Studio Mod Metal? I think it's one of their first games. I think it's quite early on for them. So hopefully they'll they'll get it sorted out. It is a great game. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed it, and it's it is lovely, and it's interesting. Um, it's not quite there. It just needs uh-huh. a little something <laughs> mm. <laughs> to make it great. But yeah, definitely be interested to see more stuff from them
2: um one of the games that we played actually fairly early on on the friday but we ended up really enjoying was books of time by board and dice mm-hmm. and that's a set that's that's from one to four players now um we've not played it solo but there is the solo mode that so that seems quite interesting but because it's a tableau building and um set collecting type jobby it actually doesn't really matter if you've got two, three or four. That's how it felt like when we were we had the demo and like you said um, they'd reduced the number of turns for Expo but it's st- we still sort of I think had something like um, nine or ten rounds and so that was still enough for us to really get a good feel for the game. Hmm. The principle is you are trying to complete to score points and you score points by um, writing books um, writing pages into books and collecting appropriate sets so um, one of the books is the science book and that has got various science, um, famous scientists um, across time ones to do with trade and um, the other ones to do with industry and each page has got certain abilities in there um, so on your turn you take one of the two available actions from the Chronicle, and that's available to everybody, and that's a book that each page changes um, each turn. And so whenever you play the game, you start off, I think, with 24, and you'd normally remove seven or eight. I've forgotten what the chap said. But you remove a number to go down to, I think, something like 16 rounds. Um, and so that way, you've got quite a lot of variability because you'll get not only different combinations of pages but also because you're shuffling them they're gonna not necessarily likely be the same pages in the same order and that will really affect your choices Mm. Um, and you've got a bunch of different actions so one action is um to pick up two of the books two of the pages available on the um supply of five and put them into your Tableau at the front. Um, One option is to write pages into your books, and um, so you can have up to five pages in front of you, and as long as you've got the resources, you can um, write as many pages into your book as you want, and where they are on your Tableau, um, on the far right, it costs you two pages to put them in, but on the far left, it costs you three pens, and in the middle, it's a combination of pen and page, pen and paper. Mm. Um, but when you write these into your book as well, you get an instant resource, and it can either be a pen or a page or to take another page from the supply or lose a victory point to gain two pens and things like that. So you can increase what you've got to write pages in as you go along. So you need to have that bit of thinking, which um, I screwed up the first time around because I just Mm -hmm. thought I could only write a page in and had a very inefficient turn, but then found out that's one of your options and you can string several together. Um, That's one of the options. And the order in which you write things in is important for one of the scoring systems because... You score based on your pe- score points based on your pages, and they've got different requirements for the science and for the industry and for the trade. Um, and so that's quite nice of how you put the pages in, or what particular pages you want from the supply become important. Another of your actions is um, taking the actions in one of your books. You do the left side, then the right hand side, and then flip the book and turn the page to, on, to the next side. Um, and, and those give you different things. But also if you get to the end of your book, that helps you out, and then you close the book again and you get all of the resources. Or another option is close the book and get those instant resources at the bottom. So that's a nice way to pick up extra pens or paper hmm. to write your book. So there's quite a few different things you can do. And having... But you know what you can always do but that chronicle where you turn it over and go actually I want to do one of those that would be important and so what you had got planned last time suddenly changes as the chronicle opens something up and you're going oh crumbs I need two yellow pages to get that and that would hmm. be really useful and I've got two green and a red and I was going to do this but now I'm going to pick things up so I can <laughs> activate that and it's the first sort of medium weight game That um, I've been able to play with my family that they've both enjoyed and gone actually we really like that
1: Mm.
2: so it was accessible for a 10 year old Uh, admittedly a 10 year old that plays a fair few games so um, and they say I think it takes 45 to 60 minutes I think it's probably a little bit longer than that unless you're really familiar Mm. I think you could probably hit 60 minutes if you know it really well and go right this is what I do but until you kind of know the different things that are going to turn up, it'll take you a bit longer. Than yeah, that. yeah. I'd say an hour and a half to two hours, probably with li- limited to no familiarity. Mm. But yeah, really nice game. Artwork on all of the pages is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the component quality from the demo looks really solid. It was just, yeah, impressed by the whole thing.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking at some pictures of it now, and you, uh, yeah, when you're talking about the books and the pages and things, it, has, it is like a real book. It's got like ring binder type yep. fixings in it and you can put the pages in, hasn't it? Yeah, that's a really cool idea. I like that, yeah.
2: The artwork, they, they have, you know, I was able to go, ah, recognise that scientist, recognise that scientist. <laughs> right. Good working in a science department at a school. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, they have put the time and effort into trying to make sure that they are recognisable people yeah, and not just yeah. anyone. Oh, and cool, also yeah. a good you know there's a good selection of scientists both male and female from different countries and different time periods as well they they really have gone mm. for a breadth and depth in that respect so they you know i think they deserve a pat on the back for that diversity mm. that they've managed to put in there
3: Nice. i didn't see that at all <laughs> yeah that's really interesting
2: yeah we as i said we really enjoyed it so well, that that that's one I would recommend at another convention if you get it or if someone mm. brings it in. Yeah, we we really did like it, and I think it's fairly. Um, oh no, I think it's within the top ten thousand on Board Game Geek. I don't know if that counts for anything mm. or not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, any of games you uh, you want to talk about, Lizzie? Anything else you've been playing? Um, what you saw.
3: Yeah, I guess I'll I'll just give a mention to um, Tiwanaku by uh, Sit Down Games, which I think was the first game that we played at the Expo and we turned up on Friday and immediately sat down and played this. And I actually really liked it. It was possibly um, my favourite game of the Expo. Mm. Um, How 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 do you spell it? What is it? Tiwanaku. T-I-W-A-N-A-K-U. Okay, yeah. Tiwanaku. Um which is another one which was on Kickstarter about about a year ago, maybe maybe two years ago. Mm. Um and looked looked really interesting and looked really cool. Um but I passed on it at the time. So I don't tend to love deduction games either. So it wasn't an immediate back for me, but it, it, it looked really interesting. Um how, it is it's basically Sudoku is the the easiest way to describe it. <laughs> so oh, okay. Start from there. So you've got a yeah. you've got a grid system on a on, on a board. Uh, for a bunch of squares, I can't remember how much it is, five by eight, something like that. Um, and you're moving, moving around with little people that you've got. I think you've got four people each. So you're sort of physically moving around this board to ask questions mm. of each of the squares. Um, so the first thing that you do when you get to a square that we don't know anything about yet is ask what kind of terrain it is. Oh, I should mention there is a theme. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> South American gods or something like that. It's completely right. irrelevant, but that's what the theme is. That's why there's terrain. It's some sort of farming. I think is the um, is the idea that we're farmers.
2: Um, I'm assuming Tuanaku is um, a South American language word thing, right yes, a, a bit like Teotihuacan or something like that. Something like that. Mm.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's where that's where the theme is going. So the first thing that you ask is what kind of terrain it is. Um, and to, to to check your answers you've got this huge wheel uh, so you plug in what you think it is, uh, well you plug in where you are in the coordinates, uh, basically x and y coordinates on the board mm. and you say I think this is going to be the yellow terrain which is pre- presumably sand um, and then it'll tell you if you're right or not and then depending on you just put down the kind of terrain that it is and you get points if you, you were right basically on, on the board So the idea is that you lay out these different areas with different terrains. And then within those terrains is where you're basically working out the numbers. So the numbers can go from one to five. I have no idea what the numbers represented. (laughs) Fruits, I think. Some sort of crop. (laughs) Let's go with that. I think it's terrain and crops. Uh, But it's basically colors and then numbers which go on top Hmm. of those. So each area of different types of terrain will contain a set of numbers. Depending on how big the terrain is, that's the maximum number of number that it can be. So if you've got a piece of terrain which is five large, then the numbers in it will be one, two, three, four, and five, and you know that. So you can start to deduce knowing from from what you you know about other squares mm. uh, what the numbers are going to be, because uh, within each set of uh a, a three of well, a, a nine squares, you can only have one of each number. So there won't uh, be another that, one. So you can work. That's where
0: out. the Sudoku comes in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. So you so you know two. Di- you've got two different pieces of information, and from that you can deduce more. So you, then you can mm. kind of work out from there uh, that this can't be a five. So blah blah, and you can keep working mm. out from there, going moving around different terrain pieces, and asking questions. And every time you get something right, you basically get points. But of course, the other person might get there first because you have to move there to actually be able to ask the questions. You can't just go, aha, right, I know that that's a five. Now, great.
1: Hmm.
3: Um, I'll have five points, please. Because you might be miles away from that spot <laughs> and somebody else might get in there first. So there's this kind of interesting kind of competition of trying to work out where it is, but you don't want other people to realize what it is. In the meantime, and get there first and get the good points. Because um, it's those juicy hmm. five points which are going to win you the game. So you don't want to bother getting the, wasting your time and your actions just to get... The ones, it's it's the big points um, mm. which you want to go for, but you have to work out the small ones to know where the big ones are.
1: Mm.
3: So it, it was it was a really interesting little puzzle. We yeah. displayed it two player, but I think it would work well at basically any player count. I think it says mm. it says one, it says one to four, and yeah, I can see it working at, at any really. It's like I say, it's basically a Sudoku. So doing it on on mm. your own, um, it's just like doing a little puzzle and working out what's yeah, what.
0: So how 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 do you set it up? Is it like different every time, or is it the same,
3: or is there an app? Or so I think there are, yeah, yeah, there are twenty five. I think it was of the. I don't really know how it comes apart, but there must be something which goes into the dial, right. um, which sets the uh, scenario. So that tells yeah. you on the back w- what you start with. So you'll start with oh, a few okay. terrain tiles and a few numbers out,
2: um, yeah.
3: so that you have something to go on from to begin with, hmm. um, and then. Obviously, that, that sets the dial to so telling you if you're right or wrong for the rest of them. So, yeah, you get about 25 of those to work mm. through. It seems reasonable. I don't I don't think you... By the time you've done 25, you're not going to remember the first
0: no, one. No, you can
3: oh, just start I'm again, a, yeah. That was a five. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd be impressed if somebody did that anyway. <laughs> you deserve to win. So, I think real play, playability would be pretty good. Do I, I yeah. expect there'll be expansions with with more... With more maps and stuff but but you are limited to what you basically have uh it's not like what was the other one Turing machine um uh, which is basically infinite on the internet mm. of uh, options that you've got but yeah it's one that i, I definitely recommend I'll, I'll probably pick it up at, at retail it's another one which has it had a deluxe option on the kickstarter but was mm. pretty unnecessary I think the, the the tiles and then the numbers are, are coloured wooden discs that you put on top of the the trains mm. and they were wooden or something like that, which is nice but yeah it's not necessary.
1: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. That was
0: yeah, and that worked okay to two players. You said
3: yeah, we we played it two and yeah. Uh, yeah that worked that worked pretty well. You had a bit yeah. of competition of who was going to get go to different spots first,
1: yeah.
3: and yeah, in, there is a bit. I can imagine in a four player game it would get quite. Quite crowded because hmm. um, you, your people block other people from moving around. So you, you can uh, right, just yeah. physically block people to stop them from getting to spaces or at least getting hmm. there easily and having to waste actions moving around.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: Um, so, yeah, it would be interesting to play at three or four. I don't know what would be better, to be honest. Hmm. I think anything would work.
2: um well, I played, I think it's called, uh, I do apologize to Andrew Harmon if I've got it wrong, One Sheep, Two Sheep, um, and designed for small people.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, unquestionably,
2: yeah. this is a young person's game, hmm. but we went with the intent of getting, um, this for, uh, my nephew, um, for his sixth birthday. So, um, and it's a nice little game where you're, there's, three cards um, available and you've either got sheep or piggies on and you've got pens that can hold a certain number of things. So you're playing cards from your hand to match what's available in the pens and if you get the pen full with the requirement on your turn, you get to take it and at the end of the game, whoever's got the most cards that they've picked up wins. So some of these cards enable you to play sheep as if they were pigs or some of them enable you to reduce or increase the um, required number of cards in that required number of animals in that pen so that you can go well, i'm going to play this card that reduces the number by one so i can then play my three piggies and then i've got the required amount rather than because i had it was four pigs and i've only got a three-pig card or go well, actually, I can get five pigs and so I'll add one and do things like that. So it was fairly gentle, nice cartoony artwork.
1: Mm.
2: Um, Any serious gamer would go, meh. But if you're six, we thought that's pretty decent introduction to gaming, Mm. a little bit of counting, a little bit of recognition, a little bit of thinking, and a lot of fun and pretty much inexpensive. And by um a uk independent publisher so i thought yeah pick that up for my nephew and hopefully he'll enjoy it
0: yeah yeah you'll have to report back once he's uh, played it a couple of times yeah see
2: how he enjoyed it <laughs> at the end of the month and we're seeing them over the summer holidays so i think that will be a report back um come Fantastic. um 10 october time yeah brilliant <laughs> I think that's the main bit of what what we got up to.
0: Oh. Well, so so to sum up then, I think um, I think it was another success. You you had a good time, enjoyed it. Everybody was, yeah, it yeah. was good. Yeah. yeah,
3: played a lot of games.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which is what you want, isn't it? That's the yeah, yep. that's the goal, really. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, uh, thanks for coming on both of you and uh, and uh, sharing your experiences of the of the show. It's been great talking to you, Tom. Tom, thanks for coming on.
2: Oops. Thanks for having me again. Lizzie,
0: thank you for for coming in and talking to us. It's been good.
3: Yeah, it's been good to be here. Uh,
0: We've been the Sheffield Board Gamers. Um, Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.
1: Goodbye for now.
2: Bye. Bye.